Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, everybody. This is The Wind Up. I'm Scott Telford. That's Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Telford. Hello. I don't know if this is the uh, regular introduction that I usually do, but I'm not going to talk about the ambient light again. Don't Why worry. Why not? I've got it fixed now. We might, we, we might get back to it. But. We've come so, let's do a little check-in on this, because we've come so far <laughs> since Monday. You have completely transformed uh, your living room. And I think it just needs to be shouted out. We don't need to do 15 minutes on it again. No, I also interrogated Jules about this as well. Did you? I, even, I went back to my own parents, and I was like, what's going on with this uh, this big light situation? They were like, what do you mean? They were like, I didn't even, I didn't even put they used to, they, they turned the big light off and I was like well if I didn't get it from you then where did I get it from anyway I can't talk about all of this too much yet again it's a big light Mandela effect is what you're telling me <laughs> right now but yeah I uh, transformed the old living room got some smart bulbs Looks and really I'm lovely. changing the colours based on what I'm playing and what I'm watching now and um, which let me recommend Mortal Kombat or Dead Space with a nice blood red light behind it Ooh. that's what you want mate it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing uh, time. speaking of beautiful things though um, I think I said our names pretty sure I did Scott you Taylor did. Josh Brown good um, PlayStation VR 2 is doing the rounds also the Wind Up podcast is also about the latest video games the latest talking points in the industry and we'll get to some gaming news if there's time I think the big thing in the industry is PlayStation VR 2 um, kind of the niche thing kind of the thing that a lot of people are curious about and I really am fascinated by the way that Sony have rolled this out yeah. because it's only available on their own website link and I feel like it's out but it's not out and That's you can't it. go and get an actual it's like 500 pounds or whatever yeah. but only from the official PlayStation link yeah it's an extremely strange rollout like you said you can only get it from PlayStation Direct you know pre-orders were going out um, last Last week, I think mm -hmm. we're technically still in the launch window, so right. some people who pre-ordered it might not even have it until tomorrow. I mm -hmm. think it was February 22nd to 28th was the launch window when you could have gotten it. Right. But yeah, it's a strange release because I feel like there's a lot of curiosity around it, but obviously a lot of justified trepidation because a price point of 550, £530, Which is or crazy. the equivalent, is crazy. I saw someone talk about this, and I think they summed it up better than I did, and I can't remember who it was, because I've been watching so much PSVR 2 stuff, uh -huh. but they essentially said that the PlayStation VR 2 is not overpriced, but it is expensive. And what they meant by That's that is, in terms of it, the price point itself, what you're getting for that price point in comparison to the competition mm. is competitive. It's not like it's inflated or anything like that, but just because something is relatively well-priced doesn't mean that it's inexpensive or that no. people can't complain that it is expensive because £530 for the headset and controllers mm -hmm. is a lot of money, especially when it's you know £100 more than the regular PS5 even. Well, that's the thing. If you were, if you're if you're buying in, I mean, you do need the PS5 for this. So yeah. like, it is almost a thousand pounds that you're putting down, and then you've got the game prices as well. Certain things have a PSVR2 version, but I don't think that many of them are free. I could be wrong. I don't uh, know. Man, Skies is. 
Um, I think Gran Turismo's is as well, I think. Yes. Um, so I guess some games you might already have, like, quote-unquote, uh, some PSVR 2 games, like, to hand. Um, but the idea being that you would get something like Horizon Call of the Mountain or whatever. Um, yeah, just just like a base thing. Do you think it's worth the, the, the money, like, right now? I do. Okay. Uh, it's worth the money to me. It mm. depends, you know, obviously it depends on everyone's financial situation. It depends on how much you are going to get to play VR in general, mm. you know, because it's a hefty entry point. And then, like you said, do you already own a PlayStation 5? Do you already own mm. a headset? The way I come down on it is, and this is kind of going to define my review for the entire podcast, is it's definitely a worthy upgrade if you've only played PlayStation VR 1. Right. I think if you enjoyed PSVR 1 and you had the money, you definitely should go out and buy PSVR mm. 2 because it is hands down a miles better machine in every single regard. And that right. we'll get into the nitty gritty on that further on in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you already own another high-end PC VR system. Yeah, like a Vive or something. A Vive or something, or even like, you know, one of the high-end Oculuses or an Index or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's probably not going to be a must-buy because while the PSVR 2 does have some interesting and unique features that are unique to its system, mm-hmm. um, it's not as much of a jump compared to, you know, the really high-end uh systems that makes it worth you know completely throwing in the towel and expecting <laughs> like a next gen upgrade because it's it's going to fall short on mm. some of those higher end machines but as someone who's coming from PSVR 1 only more or less mm. who's only dabbled in other headsets to me it's it's been worth the money right. absolutely you know if, uh, if, for, if even things the hardware itself is just like really robust. It does look so slick, and way better than the PSVR one, just just aesthetically. Absolutely, mm. and it's comfortable. The tracking works way better than it ever did before. The innovations that Sony have implemented are incredible. Again, it's nothing new if you are used to PC VR, probably, and you have one of those higher end machines. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone coming from the kind of duct tape together PSVR one, the it MacGyver is VR. it is night yeah. and day. So from that perspective, I do think it's worth the money because the specs that you're getting, it's worth the money, you know? This feels like the, it is actually, because the thing is like with VR, like I'm still fascinated by it as a medium. Like I, I got the PlayStation VR mainly to play No Man's Sky because I just wanted to see that game in first person and have all those like bespoke, I, I don't even know if they're classed as animations, but all those bespoke interactions where yeah. you're like manually opening the cockpit and stepping into your ship and things like that and pulling plants out the ground to craft things. Um, I love that idea of it, but I feel like, yeah, the tracking side of it on the original PSVR was just, for me at least, was so unreliable. And maybe because I had the big light on, but still, I feel like overall, um, it, even when I was playing when I was in because I tried different lighting conditions to try and force it to find the tracking uh, lights that were on the helmet and it just never worked and it was yeah. like even when you would lean down in something like super hard because you need to pick up a weapon or whatever it would just lose the tracking and your hand would float away from you and so that was alongside things like you know the uh, the screen fogging up or whatever it was very much a first step I feel like this is the thing that's like when people think of VR and like we've almost got a history of it in media of like VR in movies and TV shows you just put the headset on and it works Yeah, that's obviously what things like a Vibra and Index or an Oculus were. Um, and the latest Oculus Quests, um, the wireless one, has been that. You just put it on, you can play Resident Evil 4 and it, and it just works. Todd Howard. But still, I feel like this is them finally getting there on the Absolutely. At least from the, the initial reports. And, and that's the, the my biggest takeaway is the fact that, again, to do the meme, it does just yeah. work. And I hate how you killed that phrase. I know, I sometimes know. things just work, <laughs> Mr. Howard. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes <laughs> it's the only phrase you want to use because it's so applicable. But yeah, in this case, I would just reiterate everything you just 
just said there, the PSVR 1 mm. was a great bit of tech when it worked, but it had so many shortcomings. Like mm. you said, using the Move controllers, which were incredibly out of date even at the time, mm. the issues with tracking, you know, the way that your hands would just drift away from you in-game, the way that you had to even buy a camera. You yeah. don't have to buy a camera this time around. It Gosh. just works for your PS. Uh, there's just one cable you plug in and then that's it you're good to go the PSVR 1 was an absolute monstrosity of Frankenstein's <laughs> monster of cables and wires and pass-throughs and cameras in mm -hmm. £80 move controllers that were incredibly inflated because a year prior you could buy them for £8 each mm -hmm. um, and then there was obviously the fog that you mentioned there something that's like incredibly overlooked that shouldn't be on the PSVR 1 was how you could only play if you were in a hot room for five or ten minutes before right. the entire screen fogged up and you had to take the headset off, you had to out. clean it, get your little cloth out, you know, wipe it down. Fortunately, the PSVR <laughs> 2 has a ventilation system built no in. No way. So you might still get an occasional bit of fog on the outer rim if, if you're, you're a playing, hot man. Yeah, if you're a hot man or you're playing something particularly intense right. in a warm room like Pistol Whip. It's happened a few times then, mm -hmm. but it's nowhere near as frequent when you're playing regularly. The mm. first two-hour session I played with it, no fog at all. Good. And it's it's it might be boring to someone who's never experienced PSVR 1 mm. and doesn't understand the shortcomings or hasn't experience the shortcomings, but the fact that those things aren't there this time around is genuinely what makes it so impressive. The fact that I can reliably play a shooting game and not have the gun drift away from me. The mm -hmm. fact that I can have full room scale VR 360 turning and not have the camera lose track of my yeah, headset yeah. because I turn around and look behind me because we're using a camera and that's incredibly <laughs> outdated at the time. Again, you know, I'm going to stop reiterating this, so just take it as a kind of blanket statement. All of this is not new to PC VR, but it's new no. to PSVR, and it's an incredibly welcome change. You know, just being able to jump into Pistol Whip or Call of Call of the Mountain, Horizon Call of the Mountain, mm -hmm. or you know Pavlov or whatever, and be able to re reliably use your controllers, which are excellent. It's it's that kind of reliability and the consistency of the hardware that is the most impressive thing to me so far. I was going to say, have you got anything else that comes up in terms of like usability? Because that's the thing. Like, yeah, PC owners who have been able to afford something like a Vive Oculus, whatever, will know like, oh, this is this this has just worked for a while for them. Millions more people have obviously consoles, console gamers. It's a bigger deal. Like anything else that comes to mind in terms of just that usability stuff that's on the level of the it doesn't fog anymore or things like that. Is it have they just nailed everything now where it's yeah. It, you can't just give it. You can just put it on and it just goes. They kind of, they kind of have. Like there are if, if the occasional drawback. Like I said, you might occasionally get a little bit of fog, but mm. it's so minute compared to what happened before. And they've added interesting features on top of that. Like the way the room scans, so mm -hmm. it can identify hazards when you're playing, is incredibly intuitive. I've seen you, you, like can, you, be, you like paint it with one of the controllers. Yeah, you can paint your room space where you want to be able to walk around mm. without being, you know, warned that you're about to bump into something. And let me tell you, you know. It's someone who couldn't really play a room scale VR on the PSVR one. Mm -hmm. That is such a godsend right. because I turned it off once just to experiment what it was like without having those boundaries on. Mm -hmm. And I was bumping into everything. Right. I punched my fan. <laughs> I punched it with my hand and I took the skin. in the corner of the room. <laughs> my hand, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it really hurt. Uh, so it's stuff like that. It's oh. the ability to customize your play space. It's the, the ability to actually have a camera on the headset itself. Mm. So you press a button on the underside of your headset and you can like see your 
room, which you couldn't do in PSVR 1. You had to take the headset entirely off to, like, look around. You mm-hmm. don't have to do that now. Essentially, it's just minimizing the amount of time that you're spending outside of the headset so it's on as much as possible mm. and the gaming experience is as consistent as possible. All of those features are just, you know, completely incredible compared to what you had six years ago i'm so i just that side of it i'm just glad because like i said it was just an, like, there was so much faff with the psvr one like you said with the cables and um, or the, the lenses steaming up or the tracking in general or whatever if they've just done if that just stuff just works and i don't have to think about it that's like that's so good um overall i want to ask about um standing and sitting because like they've got a couple of options actually one thing on the tracking which you might not have had to turn on and um, which is a cool worthwhile thing i've been watching a few demos of this uh, stuff myself is you can turn on um the ability for the framing of whatever game you're playing on the TV to shrink down so it gives it a bigger border. Ah, and that gives okay. the camera inside the VR something else to track so it knows where the TV is right. in front of you. And um, it just they just like flag like a warning on screen saying like anyone who's watching the feed has to put up with a smaller bit of footage, but it means that the PSVR can track the border instead. That's so that's another addition to the tracking that like like means that they've thought about it. Like yes. even if their new tech doesn't fully work, they can do that too. Um, but yeah, a lot of these games, or maybe all of them, have standing slash sitting modes now, which it, it's that's a whole other thing of the faff of VR is the assumption that you have to stand up and play it, which I would want to do. I, I do want to be fully immersed to that degree. And a lot of the games, and unless you're like sitting in a cockpit for something, feel like your character is standing anyway. Yeah. But how's that stuff? Because I know Horizon lets you switch, switch between the two. Well, it's funny because PSVR 1, I mostly played sitting down because right. of the lack of room scale abilities because you couldn't turn all the way around. Mm. A lot of the games just kind of worked as a stationary, from a stationary position, you know, I played Walking Dead Sins and Sinners like mm-hmm. that. I played even super hot like that, and it might have caused a few oh. tracking issues here and there, but it but it, it kind of worked. This time around, they've kind of put way more thought into the different modes of play. Like you said, you know, there are two modes built in. Mm-hmm. One is standing, one is sitting, and you get different boundaries for that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, not every game has a sitting mode. If you play something like Pavlov and you're sitting down, your character will just be crouching. Pavlov is a... Um, online, mostly online first-person shooter mm-hmm. uh, game in the vein of, like, COD 4 or something, by the way, in case I've just... I've just realized, like, yeah, it's like a military shooter that's, yeah. like, very tactile and everyone has low health. I realized I was just putting that game's name out there without actually <laughs> explaining what it was, just, uh, just for uh, context. Uh, yeah, so not all games have a sitting mode, but the ones that do, it's implemented really well, like Horizon, which mm. we uh, graciously got from um, Sony, who sent over a code, the mm-hmm. only code that we got. Not the PSVR 2 headset, though. Just, no, the, what, just, just the game. My fault, though, for that, because I I didn't even ask for it. I just, I literally just said, oh, I've pre-ordered this. Right. You know, <laughs> I've pre-ordered good, it already. I'm good. I don't yeah. need, don't, don't need to send me one out. <laughs> I'm happy to pay 500 pounds for it. Uh, in hindsight, maybe a mistake. I'll take one. If, they, if, they, if they've still got one on the shelf with a little sticky note on it saying for what culture <laughs> gaming, then maybe I'll get back in touch. Maybe. Um, but yeah, that idea of them sort of knowing that people aren't, aren't going to want to stand all the time. I mean, my one of my main boundaries, I'm not sure how many people will also have this, is that they just have like, or I have a coffee table in my living room. So it's like, I don't want to have to re re form my living room every time I want to just play a game. I want the ability to jump into it and then reach to the side almost and, and grab the PSVR 2 and put that on yeah. and then go from game to game and treat it that way, which I guess this one gets closer to that, even though you would have to have it plugged in all the time. 100%. You don't, you don't even, well, you, I suppose you would have to have it plugged in all the time, but I'm putting mine back in the box between play sessions. Right. That might seem a little... Um, 
obtuse or egregious, <laughs> but it seems easy to just take it out, plug it in, and then be able to mm. game, for lack of a better term. You know, the sitting experiences that I've tried have been, you know, robust and just as enjoyable as the standing experiences. Like I said, Horizon has a really great one, and it's mm. fully customizable where you can use the sticks more than you moving around physically. It still works. It's still reliable in the tracking mm. sense. You know, something like Gran Turismo 7 obviously works sitting because you're literally sitting in the cockpit. Yeah, that makes car, more sense. And you're not doing too much with your hands, you're not doing too much in the room room scale environment, you're Mm -hmm. just driving the car. So in that sense, it kind of, again, it just works. It's very (laughs) um, satisfying as someone who doesn't have a big flat, you know, Mm -hmm. I I, I sometimes walk into my kitchen, which is connected to my living room to play the room scale stuff, but it's enjoyable that I can just, you know, sit down in my tiny little flat with my coffee table in front of me and it still tracks everything and it still works. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they they could communicate all this stuff a lot more. I feel like PSVR 2 is just kind of there if you want it. Yeah. And I'm just like, the amount of money they're asking for it, it feels like a lot of people are just going like, ah, whatever. Like I I saw um, Jeff Grubb over on Giant Bomb um, just saying that the price is, is not long for this world in regards to... The, is it 550 right now? 530, I think. Right. Um, that that price is like not long for this world kind of thing and that, like, that'll be getting reduced soon enough, um, which like maybe it will. I mean, like that is the main barrier for me. If it was more like a couple of hundred or something, if I wasn't going to Japan in a few weeks, yeah. then I'd be immediately jumping on this. But I wonder how much they will, if that is the immediate barrier for entry. Yeah. So I feel like even communicating like base stuff, base problems people have with VR setups, they're not doing that. Like, they're not saying like, hey, by the way, you can sit and do this. I mean, to some degree, it's accepted um, or assumed, but they're not getting out there saying like, we fixed the fogging, we fixed this thing. Like, yeah. you know, like these different things that would make it like, no, it's it's cool. It can be an extension of your like standard gaming experience. It doesn't have to be this big gimmicky faff on. Like, yeah. I think that's one of the biggest like hurdles with it. 100%. I think the biggest hurdle with any VR system is that you just don't get it until you've tried it. And, mm. it's, and it sucks because I can sit on here and talk to you about how good it is that you don't have to defog the lens how good it is to have reliable tracking. But you don't get a sense of what VR is until you put that headset Mm. on for the first time. You know, I'll never forget the first time I went on PSVR 1 and jumped into an X-Wing. It had my mind just was expanded. Uh It took a lot of getting used to even being in VR. And now I kind of feel like a VR pro because I can play this game called Pavlov without any of the kind of... uh, what would you even call them? It's kind of like safety locks, mm. I suppose. Safety measures like the vignette or not being able to fully turn uh, smoothly and having to mm. turn in rotations or having to teleport to somewhere rather than walking around. Now I can be in the full space and like just play a quote-unquote normal game mm. moving normally but in a VR space. And it's, it's, That's nothing. You can't really convey that unless you've experienced it first time. No, around. true. I mean, that's the thing. It's all about like because descri- for me, my I had a couple of moments, I think I've talked about them before, but like one on the PSVR one was like they give you that demo. There's like six or seven different mini games that you can play on it, and one of them is like inspired by the Getaway, and it's like you're a character being interrogated, and then two people are in front of you, and one of them just turns and stabs you in the stomach. Yeah. And my brain registered the hit, and I sort of felt a tinge in my stomach, and I was like, oh my god, I'd, my brain just made that real, like Matrix style. Um, and I also had the one when I tried the Oculus and I played Resident Evil Four, and just because of how much more responsive that was, and um, when uh, I got hit as Leon, and I sort of like fell back like instinctively, and then caught my myself like no this isn't my actual body it's fine i think those moments are like uh, really exciting to talk about and um, we should talk about the sickness stuff because loads of people get motion sick I, i've been motion sick before on psvr one um, and if you're playing stuff that is more um, like high octane stuff first person shooters things that have a lot more uh, movement and momentum in them people talk about in general in association with vr the idea of like getting your sea legs getting yeah. your vr legs um how's that stuff been you mentioned that they have like some safeguards and stuff yeah i mean it's a it's a very real thing like mm. you might think you might hear 
everything I'm saying about VR, thinking that's for me. Mm-hmm. And you might jump in it and then immediately get nauseous and never want to try it again. But getting your VR legs, as it were, <laughs> is definitely a thing. And it definitely does happen with repeated exposure. Mm-hmm. It just might mean that you might only get to play 10 minutes a day for the first week until you kind of Whoa. acclimatize to it. But to their credit, and uh, like I was talking about, mm. a lot of the games now have so many inbuilt features to minimize motion sickness that mm. you will be able to get your VR legs more readily. You know, <laughs> there are so many different customization options that you can tweak, whether it is kind of like narrowing the field of view, whether mm. it is having you know, that snap turn rather than the smooth turn to kind of lessen the the horrible feeling in your tummy when you turn <laughs> around in a, in, a, in a space that is an entirely virtual world. Uh-huh. You know, they've baked in so many of those features now that I just think it is really user-friendly. You know, we've had years and years of trial and error at this oh, point, yeah. and I think that all of the developers now understand how to make a welcoming experience. Mm. Uh, that That's not going to say there's going to be no motion sickness, if you're, especially if you're prone to motion sickness, there mm. probably will be, but just that there are features in there to minimize it and help ease you into it a little bit more, because when you were playing PSVR 1, um, you know, like six years ago or whatever, it was almost... Well, it was like, again, it was a case of trial and error. Some yep. games would just like throw you in, make you motion sick. Others would actually hold your hand too much mm. and then kind of not allow you to turn those safety measures off, even if you were kind of like fully <clears throat> um, comfortable with the technology. Now, the the scale between kind of newcomers and veterans is, mm. is so large that almost everyone is catered for, which is really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. Because like for me, it's like they, the stuff where it's like, where it would be a motion that would be something similar to what you already do in real life, like walking around, interacting with something that's on the same level as you, it's right in front of you, as opposed to like the one that made me sick, and I forget the name of it, but it was one of those demos in the PSVR Worlds thing, where you were jumping from like uh, asteroid to asteroid, you were going upside down and flipping around yeah. um, whilst shooting stuff. And um, it's, it's just one of those things that is just a reality of using VR, that um, your brain is like, well, you're, you, you're not actually doing this because your body is still and then you get the weird like disconnect from the motion sickness stuff. Um, so I think that stuff's kind of interesting. Um, we should talk about specific games because I know there are things like the eye tracking, the foveated rendering. Like people have talked about those things that you can use menus in games by just looking at different parts yes. of the menu. Um, that that's like really effective. Um, but yeah, Horizon Call of the Mountain is like is the game that they're kind of hanging. You know, get the PSVR two to play uh, Call of the Mountain. And I know that you already messaged me over the weekend saying the pistol whip blew you away a bit more. Yeah. But um, but how have they been? Well, I've got so. Full clarity, I think the gaming lineup is so good that Mm. I actually can't play everything I want to play. I think it's so strong, and currently I have Horizon Call of the Mountain, uh, which we got from Sony. I've got Pavlov. I have, um, what else do I have? Gran Turismo 7, Resident Evil Village, and Pistol Whip. Those are my launch games, but there are so many other ones I want to jump into. I've jumped into all of the ones I've just mentioned. Are 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 most of them um, free upgrades? Because the the discourse, the hashtag discourse that I saw is that there aren't enough games that are just on PSVR 2. Yeah. But I think that sort of like steps around the worthwhile upgrades. Obviously, No Man's Sky is overhauled. Like, yeah. But um, but that, that idea of like, okay, what am I getting the system for that the, the system can only, the game that can only be played on this system, is that only Call of the Mountain? Everything else is upgraded or like or not? Well, uh, Pistol Whip is an upgraded version. Right. That came out a few years ago on the VR systems, mm-hmm. but it's got a complete PSVR 2 overhaul. Cool. Um, Pavlov, again, is another older game that's got a new overhaul. It's now on Unreal Engine 5, so it kind nice. of like looks better than ever. Uh-huh. It uses all the haptics, the foveated rendering, the eye tracking and stuff like that. As you quickly um, mentioned, foveated rendering is the, the VR system rendering detail based on where you're looking yeah. to try and help with like um, general performance and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain is obviously an exclusive. Resident Evil 8 
8 Village. It's already been out in kind of like flat mm. screens, but that's exclusive to PSVR 2 as well. Nice. So that's like a new experience. In Gran Turismo 7, obviously, that's new as well. So cool. while they're based on older games, mm. they are new to VR and they're completely, yeah. you know, overhauled and stuff. So three out of those five that I've got are exclusive to PlayStation Sweet. and kind of brand new. And Horizon Call of the Mountain is a really interesting case mm. because it's the game that's been drawing me back the least, right. and it's because it's one of those big showcase games, right? It looks absolutely gorgeous. You mm. put the headset on, it's one of the most mind-blowing VR games that you will see. The colors <laughs> pop, the draw distances are incredible, the details and characters are excellent. There's a lot of interactivity with the world. You can pick up pretty much everything. I've spent most of my time in that game just throwing boxes off cliffs <laughs> and playing the bongos and, you know, uh, like messing around with these maraca things and tambourines. Okay. It's one of those VR experiences right. where, where while there is fighting, while there is climbing, you're just encouraged to kind of live in that world for a little mad bit. Lad. Yeah, talk to Aloy, right. mess around in your camp, craft things. Throwing and, a box at her face. Throwing the yeah. box around. Take sticking, that, Aloy. Sticking two fingers up at the guy who's trying to give you a mission. <laughs> it's that kind of experience. That will never get old, by oh, the way. No. Like, just breaking every... Is that when you used to play, like, any story-based game in multiplayer online? Everyone's just doing, like, crouching and jumping around and yeah. whatever. I think the VR, like, the VR version of that is just flipping off the guy that's giving you the quest. Like, yeah, whatever, man. Have you ever seen, like, one of those old experimental videos from, like, laboratories where they put, like, a chimp in a room <laughs> with, like, a tea set and the chimp's just kind of, like, smashing stuff yes. and, like, messing around with whatever whatever object is in the little environment that uh -huh. they're in? That's what it's like playing <laughs> VR for me. You know, I'm just kind of in this world and I'm the chimp and I'm going up to these plates that are on, like, the side of a table and I'm smashing the plates <laughs> and I'm throwing the plates off the side and I'm, you know, playing the bongos, like I said, and I'm just the world needs saving around, Josh. and it's like the world needs saving. You need to climb this mountain, but I don't want to do it. I want to just mess around. I want to be a little chimp in a little uh, laboratory environment. Why is, that not, why is that not a first-person like monkey game? Like, <laughs> that, be, just right? capitalize on that. Like, I mean, everyone's making every other game into that anyway. Yeah, like you just force it that way. But the point is because. Horizon Call of the Mountain is such this kind of like luscious tech demo. Mm. It means it does a little bit of everything. It's it's a there's a lot of climbing in it, mm. which is great. If you love climbing games, I quite like them. It's quite yeah. interesting, and the mechanics are robust. You know, mm. it's not as simple as it might look. You get a lot of different items. Uh, you get like ice picks that you can use to jump across a massive crevice and then jab them into the wall and climb using that. There is combat, which is way more fun than it looks in the game. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a great game. It's just not quite as compelling as some of the other stuff that's out there. You know, it's mm -hmm. not necessarily, especially for the price, a system seller, I don't think. I don't think you would buy PSVR 2 for Call of the Mountain in the same way that you would buy, you know, another VR system for Half-Life Alex. That's that's kind of the thing. That's kind of the crux for me because I, I was a bit disappointed that it was a climbing game. I know right. I've, I've read that it changes about like the halfway mark. It becomes more of like just a regular video game. It's bigger. There's a hub world. There's more to do. Yeah. And you can take on more quests. And like you said, the combat gets more in depth. There's more enemies at once. And you're juggling arrow types and things like that which is more like a horizon game but yeah looking at the footage and being like oh the amount of climbing in that first sort of hour or two hours and um, reminded me of that robinson the journey game uh, back when that was yeah. used to sell the psvr and um, which i remember being at like various showcases where that was being shown off and just being like yep i can reach up with both my arms but i'm gonna need more than that um and it's not like, the thing is like i think some of the, some of the scale in call of the mountain looks awesome like when you yes. look down as you're hanging off a wall with a pickaxe and you can see just how far that goes and you can fall all the way down and stuff like that that's interesting. That oh, that's exciting. Um, but it's, it's that's not going to make me spend the money. It's going to have to be like more bespoke uh, interactions. I think Call of the Mountain is one of those games where if this is your first VR system and that is your first VR mm -hmm. game, you will be 
blown away by the detail, by the level of interactivity, by mm-hmm. even the mechanics. But if you've played a really good climbing game before, if you've played a game with a really um, enjoyable bow and arrow in it before, mm-hmm. like it's taken mechanics that have already been done and kind of perfected elsewhere and kind of thrown them all together. And that makes for a really good game, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It's just, it's not quite, like I said, the 10 out of 10 system seller that I was expecting. And I've wanted to go to other games mm-hmm. on the system more than that at this moment in time. Because I think it's interesting. <clears throat> They're sort of walking like an interesting line with VR versions of known properties because like Horizon is like, you're going into it wanting a Horizon style experience. Maybe you're taking apart different dinosaurs, you're crafting things and like you want like an open world and it looks really luscious. And then they, but then it's like, how much do you like can you just get that from like the regular game and obviously this one being first person that makes it different and I like them doing I, I've seen the first person crafting system yeah. where you're like putting things together like fundamentally building parts of arrows like that's really cool and um, makes me think of like a Star Wars game where you literally build the lightsaber like I think you can do that in the uh, in the current um, Star Wars VR2 game um, but it's, it's that line that they're walking kind of thing where it's like do you make something that is fundamentally a whole new experience I don't know what that is necessarily but something that can only be done in VR yeah. or do you still need to try and walk that line to get in the people that recognize the franchise in the first place. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. That's it, man. It's it's a really interesting case because it is absolutely worth the full price price point that it is asking for, you know, a proper £50 Mm. game or whatever. Um, Because the work that's gone into it, the kind of level of production is nuts. Hmm. It's just interesting that I have that on my system uh, that I didn't pay for. Like I said, I got that one from Sony. Mm -hmm. Yet I'm going to these £20 games. I'm going to these £15 games that offer a smaller but perhaps more satisfying and more robust Mm. experience over than the lavish, lavish AAA experience with four real graphics and lovely colors of that. Makes sense. Well, you know? that was why. I mean, I like. I love uh, Super Hot. I've played a stupid amount of that one and Control Alterly, um as the uh, sequel. But like, that's kind of the thing. Pistol Whip kind of feels like a Super Hot. Like, it yeah. feels like a more kinetic version of that. Like, what's what's been getting you with oh, that game? Pistol Whip changed my life, Scott Tilford. <laughs> Let me explain what this game is for people who don't know. Uh-huh. So. 
It is a game with a kind of similar visuals to Super Hot. You're in this kind of digitized world, mm. and you don't necessarily move around physically. You're on essentially a track that goes through a level, mm. and it's a rhythm shooting game. So okay. enemies will appear, and you, to get the most points, have to shoot them to the beat of the music. You don't have to shoot them to the beat of the music. If you're not good enough, for instance, you might just want to get to the end of the level mm. no matter what score you get. So you're not like... You're not railroaded to the beat, but you're encouraged to shoot to the beat to get more points. And the levels themselves are incredibly colorful, you know, making the most of the OLED screens in the headset itself. And it's just kind of like the the tightness and the sense of fun that mm. you get from that game. It's amazing. It's another one that you kind of have to play it to fully get, but when it's in you, it's one of the best rhythm games I have ever played. I wonder if it's VR, if it is the PSVR 2's uh, Beat Saber, where like oh, yeah. everyone was just like, there's something about rhythm when it's in VR that literally, like, if you can stay on beat, like if you're quite good at keeping time anyway, yeah. then you can just get so lockstep with that game. And there is also that thing that a lot of games do anyway, which we don't really have like a specific term for, but that's sort of like symbiosis you can get with a game where you don't even realize, you're so lockstep with the game that you're yes. thinking about something else entirely, but you're still playing it and getting through it and whatever. And um, I think there's something there about if something is just so responsive, you can be right in the pocket with it. And I guess that's what like this can be. Definitely, man. You know how when we used to talk about Super Hot, we mm. would say it makes you feel like John Wick yes. or someone. This takes that idea and just <laughs> absolutely kicks it into the stratosphere. Right. Like the, the music itself is excellent. It's like so varied. Everyone is, has this thumping beat. The way that the enemies spawn encourage you to like pull off a bunch of really satisfying and quick trick shots. You know, you're mm. dodging, you're ducking obstacles all while this is happening. You're reloading to the beat. It's a genuine workout. It's, it's, <laughs> it's exhausting to play in the best possible way. You uh, know, I play this game for an hour at the time and I, I'm absolutely filthy by the time <laughs> I, I'm taking that headset off. You wouldn't want to touch it. Like, there's sweat coming out of places. I didn't know even existed on my body is what I'm going to say. But it's 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 worth it because, like you said, you know, you, you become lockstep with the game, mm -hmm. and it is a real kind of showcase. And yeah, like I, like I keep reiterating, people on PC VR already know this. This is an older game that's been ported right. over. But if you haven't played it, and this is your first time playing it, you're getting a great version. The way the game incorporates the haptics of the controllers and the haptics of the mm. headset is amazing. You know, you can literally feel the bullets whizzing past your head if they're that's really close to hitting you because the head... Or like, like a ripple itself. of vibration that goes like past you. Yeah, kind of so the ah. headset itself will vibrate. Ah. You'll get the 3D audio kind of indicating exactly where the bullet is. And it feels genuinely like you've had this near miss. I can't wait to go home and play more of it tonight. Right. It's one of the best games I've played. That, Pavlov, and Resident Evil Village are next level. That They gave me the moments of excitement that I wanted from this uh, machine. So have you seen much of uh, Village? Have you still got more of that to get back to? Uh, yes, I've only jumped into that as of last night. I've only played the opening where, well, you do the opening. You mm -hmm. get to the village and you have the first big werewolf encounter. Mm -hmm. It is translated so well, Scott Tilford. <laughs> you know, the opening of Village when I played it on the flat screen was maybe the worst part just because I didn't feel mm -hmm. like the horror was fully sold to me. I thought, you know, the initial siege on the on the village itself felt maybe a little bit wonky. Maybe the werewolves weren't as intimidating. And they're coming up on like horses and stuff. That's it, like, right? What? Yeah, maybe Planet they the apes. weren't as in intimidating as they could have been. That's all changed in VR. This right. is like the best version of that 
um, part of the game, in my opinion. Mm. Like, the ability to be in that space, to be frantically running away from these werewolves who are incredibly fast, <laughs> emptying an entire clip, realizing you haven't got another magazine, switching to your knife, trying to just fend right. them off. It gets the heart racing, man. Again, I was I was kind of exhausted after finishing just that one hour mm-hmm. because it felt so frantic and it felt so intense in a way that the normal game just wasn't quite. And I'm, I'm buzzing to play more of that because Resident Evil 7 and VR was mm. another highlight of the entire PSVR 1's lifespan for me. I feel like that's, that it need, they need more stuff like that. I mean, I know that that's, it's already kind of hampered by the fact that it is available already on something else, but like a full Resident Evil Village sized yeah. game, which is kind of what Call of the Mountain's trying to be, but like you said, it's almost um, crossing over Venn Diagram style into the tech demo stuff um, overall. But like, yeah, I mean, you'll also have, um, is it Shadows of Rose or whatever you call the DLC if I, that's added on? I don't think that's in VR. What it's the just hell? The main game itself, right. because if I recall, that went to third person, so it might be oh, yeah. more difficult to transfer all that. I want to do. I want to do powers in <laughs> in the thing. I want like I was watching. I'm playing them um, Psychonauts two again. I want to do because um, I'll tell you what. Complete random tangent. Shout out to the Double Fine YouTube channel for doing a 32 part documentary about how they got Psychonauts two made. Yeah, and um, they did it years ago when they made Broken Age. It's called Double Fine Adventure. The new one's called Psycho Odyssey, um, and just a proper fly on the wall, warts and all. This is what it's like making a video game. These are the stresses. This is how you get funding. This is what happens when it all falls through. Um, every single part of that is one of the best made looks. If you care about the, make, the making of a video game, yeah. that thing is phenomenal. Um, and also maybe you just want to go back through Psychonauts. Um, but yeah, think, um, they talk a lot about uh, Rhombus of Ruin and that, which was on the original PSVR 1. Um, and that game let you pick stuff up telekinetically and throw it. I want games where I can telekinetically throw stuff. That's all <laughs> I want. I love that power in every single game. I want to air dash and I want to throw things. There's probably a, a game in the launch lineup already that allows you to do that, Scott Tailford. You can throw your weapon in a Resident That's Evil good. 8, which I love. You know how you have those boxes all over the place, mm. whether you can shoot or you can stab to mm. like get items. I've decided instead of you know pulling out my knife or wasting a bullet, like a I'll just throw my gun at it, smash the crate, <laughs> and <then> get everything <laughs> inside of it. It's stuff like that. That's really satisfying. I think you could do that in Superhot, couldn't you? I think that like that stunned someone. Yes. And then, you had to get, then in the slow mo, you could grab like something. Yeah, because then they would like if you threw a gun at them or threw something at them, they would like knock back and throw their gun, and yeah. then you would catch that and shoot them with their own weapon. So many cool possibilities for stuff like that. That's it, man. And um, I just yeah. kind of want to talk about Village a touch more because yeah. it opens with a kind of a tutorial, a VR tutorial that isn't in the regular game mm. that obviously teaches you the controls, gives you a shooting range, tells you how the gun, how the guns work, how to reload, how to cock the guns. And it finishes by putting you into a dark, a completely pitch black um, garage and you okay. only have a flashlight. And all you have to do is get a fuse and put it in the fuse box and turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. And that was scarier than 99% <laughs> of games. The fact that you had to like pull out this flashlight, that you were in charge of exactly where you were kind right, of aiming right. it, walking around a garage that was literally ensconced in darkness. Um, nothing even happens, spoilers, in that garage, but just the idea of being alone in the dark yeah. was scary enough. I almost couldn't even finish the tutorial, man. That's how good it was. It's worth flagging that the PSVR 2 screens, I think, are 4K and have HDR. Well, we'll get to that, Scott, when we talk about some potential negatives just before we finish up. Uh, But uh, yeah, like the games themselves, I think, are incredible. I want to quickly... Let's do, um, let's do teeth and problems Go stuff on. or things like that because okay. I was going to end on something more positive. But like, okay. yeah, things that stand out to you is like maybe you could have been a little bit better. Well, it is the screen. Right. It, like the screen is great. Mm. It's just not quite the jump that I was potentially ex- expecting. You know, 
you heard a lot in the run-up about 4K. You heard mm. a lot about 120 frames per second. And it's definitely a great screen. Mm. I just think a lot of people, perhaps myself included, got a little caught up in the hype and were expecting their 4K OLED television picture to be implemented. That's what I'm expecting. Impl- implemented for 500 pounds. On the uh, headset. Uh, and it's it's not quite that, you know, it's not as sharp as, you know, right. true full K. It's still incredibly sharp compared to other headsets and certainly PSVR 1. But uh, there is a, a discrepancy between what's on screen and what you're seeing in the headset. It still looks great. The, the HDR in particular is really well implemented. But there are still some slight drawbacks from the kind of like visual uh point of view you know there are like i said some things might be a little bit blurry than you're expecting uh sometimes you might get a little bit of bloom around you know bright whites and darkened areas that Mm. might throw you off a little bit and it's quite hard to find the sweet spot which in vr terms is you can't just kind of put the headset on and then just kind of have it work you kind of have to find where your eyes are comfortable otherwise things will look blurry uh in the sweet spot i've seen a lot of people online talking about how they're you know, headsets are broken, that it's completely blurry, they can't make out text, and that's probably because the sweet spot is so small and it takes a little uh. while to get used to it. If you played PSVR 1, mm-hmm. you'll get it more or less instantly like I did, but if you're new to VR, like that's something to keep in note that it might take a few days before you fully get comfortable in positioning mm. the headset on your head. Uh, so there are stuff like that that are still kind of like problems across the VR board. It's not like, you know, just whapping on a headset <laughs> and then entering like a simulation where oh, there are no sucks. drawbacks. That's what it needs to be. I think we're still like decades away from that 100% ah. just in terms of like the built-in limitations of the tech, you know, the fact that you are looking at screens, the mm. fact that you do have the kind of black rim of the visor still visible right and uh, what i will say is there's thankfully no um light that gets it anymore in psvr one you could mm. maybe see you know beneath you your chest in the floor where mm. the light was pouring in it it pretty much blocks out all light in the room which is you know really welcome but yeah, there are yeah. still those problems it's not a perfect experience i don't think any vr system has completely obliterated those niggles that i talked about mm. there but it's 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 worth noting that it's not quite maybe what people are expecting or might have hyped the machine up to be. Okay, I think that's more just like for me that because as someone who wasn't following that much of it and then didn't even <laughs> realize it was out until like last week yeah. uh, when you started getting yours. Um, that's for me. That's just what they're saying it is. Like right. if, if if it I guess like isn't isn't that sharp or um, if it's not that responsive, then that's kind of on them. But like still, it'll still be a massive step up from the PSVR one. I think in regards to the sweet spot stuff, um, you know, they let you have that like that tightening thing on the back of the helmet. You can move it back and forward in terms of the front of the headset itself. So I was in with PSVR one. It was like you always knew when you weren't in the sweet spot it's not like you would start playing uh blurrily and then you know you would it didn't take that long to sort that stuff out so i guess if you've got a few minutes to sort it and then once you have the settings down i mean like it shouldn't be too hard to. that's it it's just that that kind of like vr teething problem Mm. period that you might have if you've not played or even if you've you're used to another headset and this one operates like a little bit differently. Mm. Yeah, and I think the only thing I would flag is that kind of the sharpness and the clarity of the image. It's still, you know, using a lot of workarounds to get that high frame rate, to get that high resolution. And it still looks great. Like, I want to stress that. Like, yeah, it's still, yeah. 
it just it's more about tempering expectations. It's not entering this, you know, super crisp 8K simulation that you might have in your head, or certainly I got in my head. I would, yeah, I, run up to it. I think a lot of people. I mean, I'll just be for myself. Then I think that if you're selling me a VR headset for half a half a thousand pounds, I do want to just have that matrixy moment of like I'm putting it on and I'm yeah. there. I'm in the other world. I'm in the other reality. Because um, how many more times are we going to fork out for premium VR and it not be that? Well, I think you'll still get that. Like mm. you still, it, it's, it's still a wow factor of putting it on. Like if you put that headset on and you go into Call of the Mountain, mm. like it's it's still it's not like it's blurry. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's yeah, I guess it'll as, work more than it doesn't. Yeah, it's just not as crisp as me looking at you right, right. now across the table. It's not <laughs> that one to one sort of lifelike thing. You can tell you're in a game mm. where the games look great. I think again for the price relative to other systems out there, it's it's an incredible screen, especially when it comes to the lighting. You know, when you're in those pitch black rooms, mm. it feels like you're there. It feels like you're completely surrounded by darkness, illuminating the room with your flashlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely works and still gives you those kind of like, holy hell, I'm I'm in the game <laughs> moments and way more than the PSVR 1 did. Mm-hmm. It is just, yeah, we're, we are still a few years away, if not decades away from full on one-to-one. It'll be like a brain chip at that yeah. point. Just <laughs> yeah. You tap on your own head to, to switch it on. Um, what's the battery life and stuff like? Because you have the haptics, you have all these sort of, almost like a PS5 DualSense controllers, but they're separated. So it's like per yeah. hand. And then obviously the headset itself. How, how is battery life? Uh, the headset itself doesn't use batteries because it's just plugged in all the time. True. So there's, fortunately there's no charging with that. The controllers, a little bit of a different story. Mm. They have about three or four hours battery life, which isn't loads, Mm. but you probably wouldn't be playing VR longer than that anywhere unless you were like the fittest person in the world <laughs> and you had like incredible mental fortitude and didn't get a headache from being inside say, these, yeah, world, yeah. these worlds but still it's still annoying i would have liked the battery life to be a little bit longer mm. it's kind of sucks that as far as i'm aware you can only charge one of them at a time unless you get the charging dock which ah. is a major shame uh, but the controllers themselves are worth the trade-off in my opinion because mm. the haptics are excellent the mm. rumble is great the way they work uh, they're comfortable to use they they feel like a really kind of premium bit of kit if that makes sense they go like around your hand as well which yeah. just looks really cool like yeah. gloves. They just like, again, they just work, but uh, it does come with the trade-off of battery life and unfortunately charging them one at a time Mm. unless I can, because the thing was, I tried to charge one through the PlayStation and one through just a socket Mm -hmm. uh, in another plug in my flap, you know, using USB-C cable and it didn't charge it. And I don't know whether that's a fault on my part somewhere, mm. or if it's a built-in thing. They, they are the selling a, they're selling a dock that explicitly charges two at the same time. Yes. That's why. That's why, right? I think they're yeah. just getting you to pay for that as well. I think you're probably right. So that is sucks. another kind of like slight drawback in terms of like the battery length. But I, like I said, the controllers are definitely worth it for, for my mm. money. Because yeah, I heard, um, I was listening to uh, Brad Shoemaker over on Nextlander say that like, depending on what your dominant hand is, you can wear that controller out faster depending on what you're doing. So like, in theory, you might only need to charge one at a time, but yeah. it depends depends on the game, I guess. That's definitely happened a lot to me. Take Pavlov, for instance, Mm. where, you know, you're maybe shooting with your right hand, but you're using your left hand to steady the gun. Mm -hmm. So you're pulling the trigger on the right controller Mm. way more than you're using any buttons on your left. And obviously the right trigger has haptics. It has all of that stuff. So you'll wear the right one down wherever your dominant hand is, like they were saying, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. a little bit faster. Not to the point where the left hand will be on three bars and you're the one will be out of charge. Mm -hmm. That hasn't happened, but it will get to the case where your right hand might be on one bar and the other one might be on two right but there is that kind of like slight discrepancy just because of you know certain games demanding uh certain button presses yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know not 
fully implementing a kind of like dual wheeled system as it were. Interesting. Yeah, let's end on some positives. Unless you have other things that you want to bring up, but I was just going to ask, like there are always those moments in VR where there's something that you didn't necessarily know you were going to experience. Then you go in. I saw people say when we talked about, is it worth the money? Um, someone was just saying it's worth the money because I can dip my hand in the water in <laughs> kayak VR um, and the haptics simulate some of the resistance of the water. Um, and I, yeah, reading about people just spending a lot of time in that game because you can just hang out with like dolphins and animals and things just out in your kayak in the water. Yes. Um, as well as it being a race game um, but if you had moments like that that just made you go like I, I love VR lords man lords <laughs> so many and I'm so pleased that I have you know I keep mentioning Pavlov but that mm. was such a revelation that was only like 20 pounds on the store and I didn't know what I was expecting but that the gun system in that game is amazing okay. even just messing around in the gun range again was awesome mm. the fact that you you know to reload you have to do authentic reloads you have to drop the magazine out you have to put the magazine <laughs> right. in you have to cock the gun and pull the lever in like a really specific way and it's that tactility that i love from doing VR. that one under fire as well like doing in a multiplayer well experience. under fire you know one of my favorite games of the psvr one was uh firewall and i didn't play as much of that as i wanted to because mm. of the tracking issues it meant that you know if i was pulling my weapon up to look down the sights Sometimes my hands would drift and it wouldn't be very accurate. It was kind of a guessing game. Mm. In Pavlov and in Resident Evil, that's one-to-one, so you don't have that issue anymore. So mm. you kind of you can use sniper rifles and pull off long-range headshots. Um, cool. You know, bring the gun back down, rechamber the bullet, you know, cock the uh, pistol or whatever. Mm-hmm. In doing that under pressure, again, it just adds that extra element to uh, the gameplay and adds that extra element of immersion, you know. It's almost like paintball. Like it it's is, sort of yeah. Like, yeah, like reloading under fire, like in physical, actually having to do it. Like that is a whole other dimension to something like a regular Call of Duty experience or whatever. Absolutely, and I think, you know, when you're playing something like Pavlov, which is this competitive multiplayer first-person shooter experience, mm. it's learning the intricacies of VR that allows you to dominate. For instance, if you're using the AK, you can kind of do it, you can actually do a tactical reload. So instead of... <laughs> pulling the magazine out. You can grab the magazine from your pouch and knock the magazine that's in the gun out with your magazine that you're holding in and then chamber that. And it's like learning the intricacies of the weapons Mm. like that. It's, It's playing these... Like game ones that we've played so many times before, gun game, team deathmatch, search and destroy, playing them as if you were really there. And what I mean by that, it's not just, you know pressing the stick to run forward and then shooting Mm. right in front of you. It's peering around corners. It's blind firing. You know what I mean? It's turning (laughs) completely 180 when you hear someone behind you Mm. and then shooting them rather than using the stick to move your field of vision. It's it's being in the world itself. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that, when you manage to pull it off, is incredible. That was great. Pistol Whip was amazing, top to bottom. Like some of the songs in that, some of the some of the workouts, some of the levels are uh, excellent. In Resident Evil Village, doing that opening again, trying to reload your pistol while under fire, having these werewolves, you know, jump on you, throw you around, bite your <laughs> fingers off. Um, stuff like that is awesome. And again, to give it credit, you know, Call of the Mountain climbing the mountain itself and what you were saying, you know, looking back, looking down, looking at the lush waterfalls, watching a tall neck step over you and seeing the scale of it Mm. in a way that you have never experienced on the flat screen. Moments like that are really, really exciting. And it reminds me of when I first experienced VR. Mm. And and, and a lot of this stuff does become normalized. uh, So it's not, I'm not like coming out of it with the same excitement that I did back in 2016. But like I keep saying, you know, if this is, your first VR experience, you're going to have those moments across mm-hmm. the board, no matter what game you're playing, because it's just so much more reliable, so much more immersive. Mm-hmm. It's not 100% of course, but 
way, way better than it ever used to be. I love the, because we talked about this, or we, we do talk about this in general, uh, in between, I was just say, like this life in between recordings. Me <laughs> and you talk, and occasionally we'll say that idea of, you know, like the next big step in gaming. Because for me, I always talk about VR needed its analog stick moment, because yeah. like that was the thing that changed the way we fundamentally control video games. And now that you have access to blinking interactions, or you have access to like like literal full sort of 3D interactive immersion, um, you know, ways of moving inside 3D spaces, then I need something that fundamentally couldn't be done on a controller. So I still feel like I'm kind of waiting for that, although things like Pistol Whip sound closer to that mm. um, in terms of how you manage enemies and, like, the idea of... I remember playing um, Until Dawn Rush of Blood, like, managing two sets of enemies that were spilling in from different doors, um, like, on both sides of me. I'm mean, having to look back and forward yeah. as I aimed in two places at once. Um, and I was like, that's something that I couldn't have done in a controller, really, um, very well anyway. Um, and I still feel like I'm kind of... For me personally, I'm waiting for things like that, where I'm like, that's such a cool idea um, that I just couldn't do it on a controller. But I feel like they're definitely getting there. Yeah. Um, and the little things, like, just by... That you get just from the reality of how tactile that immersion feels. Like, even when I played Resident Evil 4 on the Oculus, um, reloading and having to, like, type in your name on the actual typewriter to save, little things like that are the things that elevate VR. And I think the... Um, I think that's going to be on each individual person if they if that justifies the price tag, but that is what makes it so cool. Absolutely. And I don't think you can undersell just how those little interactions, how much they add to the experience. Mm. Like if you, you could play something like Pistol Whip on a regular controller. You mm. could play Pavlov on a regular controller, but they'd be nowhere near as good as they are in VR because, you know, Pavlov would be a Call of Duty 4 clone 10 yeah, years totally. after the fact. It would be a basic first-person shooter. Pistol Whip would be fun, but you wouldn't get that sense of rhythm, the mm -hmm. sense of being in the world, dodging, ducking, diving, mm -hmm. doing all the dodgeball stuff. Uh, and like you said, you know, managing two sides of a screen, taking out two guys over here, tapping a guy with a four-plate armor on your left and like, getting back, <laughs> looking forward and realizing another five guys have spawned and you take them out to the beat as well. Yeah. It is that kind of, those granular elements that all add up to make something feel real, for mm. lack of a better term, and mm. as satisfying as it is. It's satisfying as it is. I think that the, the amount of tools they have to play with now as devs as well. I mean, even um, on the most recent state of play, they showed off Before Your Eyes, which is a game that you literally control with blinks, yes. which like has existed before um, in terms of the game itself. But like the, making that the way that you play it and like it fundamentally ties into the story. It's like that's for me immediately more interesting yeah. about like framing a story around my literal interactivity through my eyes. Like that's a really cool idea. Um, so I hope we see more things like that. I think the indie space is going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, uh, I'm very curious how people respond to it. I think the, the Availability of it sucks. I think that it just sucks that it's only on the PlayStation Store because um, I went on Amazon to just see how much it was and mm -hmm. I couldn't find it and then was confused and then had to like look that stuff up and already you've lost me. And like, right. and, if I, and I'm like a dedicated games coverage man, so I'm going to look those things up. Um, but I think a lot of people would just look at it and go, oh, it's not listed on Amazon. It mustn't be available yet. Okay, cool. See you later. Right. And so like, I think they could do a lot better with that. And I know that they have more dates coming up for when it's going to be more widely available, but they're also dancing around how available it is by doing state of plays and, um, you know, PS VR2 updates for things. Um, and so I think the rollout is weird. It's yeah. very PlayStation blog made real. Like, yeah, go find is. it if you can, but we're not going to put it in front of you. And I absolutely wouldn't, oh, I would concede to that stuff. You know, the, the messaging mm. needs to be better. It does need to be more widely available. It needs to be more, people need to get more abilities to go hands-on with the tech because that mm. is the thing that convinces you. However, before we wrap up, I do want to go back to one thing that you said because yes. we've talked about the price point, obviously, a lot on this podcast. And mm -hmm. I just want to defend it a little bit more because when we were talking about the screen and you said that you, if you dropped half a granny 
on this headset, <laughs> you would want to you would want it to look like your television. In the thing that I would say about well, not necessarily that. I just I want it if I'm dropping half a thousand pounds on right. something, I don't want to I don't want any sort of drawbacks. I don't want to be aware. Okay. It, it depends what it is, but it's just it just needs to feel premium, which I know you've said it does. That's it. Um, so I'm not necessarily saying it needs to feel like I'm strapping an LG to my face, right? But I feel like it's it just should be immediate. It should be like this is premium. This is worthwhile. I'm not noticing the drawbacks. Like the PSVR one, you could see the um, where the pixels were. Yeah, you could see where things were coming together. So I guess it's just whatever that is that makes it not feel like it's delivering on the promise of right. 4K 120. That's it. Okay, that's 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 fair enough. Because I thought you were saying like you wanted the LG OLED uh, <laughs> picture on your face, and I was going to say, well, like like your LG OLED was double the price of this headset. Yeah, you're not no getting wrong. you know half of the other features that you get from the headset. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say it's immediate. Like I said, I think if you put it on, you will instantly kind of be wowed. Mm. It's just uh, yeah, there are just those kind of like minor drawback drawbacks. Like you can kind of understand from the price, but you might mm. not understand that if you're not familiar with how expensive this technology can be. Yeah. In my opinion, like I said, it's very expensive, but uh, you do get a lot for your money, and it does feel like a premium bit of kit when you're mm. wearing it. The controllers feel premium. The features that are baked in feel premium, and the experiences you're playing do feel premium. Mm. That's saying, I'm not saying you should go sell your house to buy one, <laughs> uh, but if it's something you're interested in and you're worried that the price might not deliver what you're expecting, I would say that it it does, especially Mm. relative to the rest of the market. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's fascinating that the way they're treating it, like I said, they're sort of not putting it right in front of people and making it available in your Argos's, your Amazons, or wherever it is, your Walmarts. Um, you have to go to PlayStation for that. I, some of that is obviously intentional because they want these kind of conversations to happen. They want word of mouth to build and they want to, you know, I guess measure the response to the price tag and then try and match those things up um, and try and see when people might be interested in it, do a new game, do a price drop, make that work. But I do love that um, VR itself is that this other sort of pillar in gaming. It's like we have the AAA space, we have the indie space, we can have the VR space. And they can obviously go between, you'll get AAA VR, VR games or whatever, but it just it just is this other thing. Yeah. And it's like, they're almost acknowledging that by the way they're rolling it out. It's like, we're not expecting you, not expecting every single person to get this. Like we would be expecting everyone to get a God of War, but if you want it, it's there. And it's brilliant if you do decide to go in that direction. 100% man, like it is definitely like a, th- a third thing. It's like mm. a third pillar. It's entirely its own thing. Even if you're playing games that you might've played on a flat screen, they feel mm. completely different and they don't play the exact same like the gunplay in Resident Evil 8 Village VR is completely different to Resident Evil 8 Village on a console, even yeah. though superficially they're the exact same mechanics, <laughs> they're the exact same weapons, they're the exact same levels. They are just entire, you know, worlds apart. And yeah, it's definitely not for everyone, but if you are interested in the technology and you mm. maybe dabbled in other machines, I, I think it's worth kind of jumping in because I think what kind of sells it, especially if you don't have a PC VR, is that the games that are available at launch, there's, there's something for everyone. Like if yeah, you want to yeah. just mess around in kayak VR, you absolutely can. Which I do. If you you want a roguelike game there's roguelike games if you want a horror game there's a horror game if you want a sony big blockbuster experience <laughs> there's that too there's first person shooters it's not like psvr1 where there was like a demo disc and two games and you had to wait <laughs> six months for anything worthwhile to come out like there's stuff already there granted a lot of them are parts mm. but again remember i'm coming at this from the perspective of someone who hasn't played those games previously mm. or hasn't played the best versions of them or put up with issues that now don't exist yeah man i think the fact that they did do call of the mountain is, a, is immediately is way more dedication to the platform than they have with psvr1 yeah um, 
Um, unless I'm missing something, they didn't really do that many, like this level budget, you know, big triple A PSVR games. They just didn't really have them before. This kind of feels no. like the first time they've gone, okay, premium, you know, premier title um, for this platform. Yeah, and I already feel like I'm kind of covered for the year. Like I said, I've mm. got these five games that are going to take me a while to fully get through. I've got, you know, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Chapter 2 coming out next month. I've got the uh, Dark Pictures game that's coming out next month. Oh, yeah. uh, it's not Until Dawn, though. It's pretty much the Until Dawn right. Russia Bloods uh, sequel that mm-hmm. came out for the PSVR 1. And then there's stuff like No Man's Sky, which I... I'm, if I play No Man's Sky, you'll yeah. never see me again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Probably going to put 100 hours into that, you know what I mean? Play that forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, like, the games already are, are pretty strong, and hopefully... Uh, Sony and third parties can continue to support the system for years to come. So after this year, I don't look back and think, well, there's nothing now. <laughs> I've yeah, played yeah. all the games. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I, I They feel like they're very confidently supporting it going forward. Like, it's a great first step forward. I'm curious what happens with the price, and I think I'll probably dive in as the year rolls out. I just want a few more things, and let's just see how much money I've even got left after I've been to Japan, because I'm going to buy every are. single thing they have. I'll tell you what, Scott Tilford, as well, as a, as a final, final thing. Yeah. You forget how exhausted it is. It just might put everyone <laughs> off right now i forget how even playing sitting in call of the mountain like how exhausting it is just to put my arm completely out <laughs> to hold a born arrow and then like notch it a little arrow in like, me off with this all i'm doing is holding it you know what i mean all yeah. i'm doing is outstretching my arm and i'm kind of tired afterwards in yeah. that, that physical element that i don't think should be overlooked either because like i said an hour of pistol whip i feel like i've done an hour of like proper cardio in the gym <laughs> might just sack off cardio in the gym off and to be fair, it off that, entirely. If I can do this as my workout routine, then I will take it because I don't have any workout routine. So I'll take some version of that. I do feel like uh, in that regard, a lot of people, there was like a whole art to people realizing how they played Wii games on the couches. Yeah. And it was just like, it's just minimal movements. But as long as the system recognizes that it's one thing is being distanced from another, it'll still trigger the animation. And um, there's maybe an art to that that'll develop over time. Um, for now, though, this has been the windup. I've been Scott Tailford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tailford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. I'm not going to talk on the next one. Next one's all you, buddy. Maybe I'll get one. (laughs) Let's do a Darksiders podcast. Yes! Bye! Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.